This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. One that's already sort of been running for the last three hours. I am Paul Gallant. You know how to get aboard. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company tax line. We'll hear from you via the phone the old-fashioned way. 1015, your chance to be heard. 206-421-3776. Got it. Almost said three sevens there. Had a little bit too much caffeine this morning. My question for you today. Sunshine scale time. Where are you at after the Mariners just dropped two in a row to the New York Yankees? One through ten. One being the lowest, ten being the highest. I'm at 4.8. I'm disappointed that they haven't been able to win a game yet thus far against the New York Yankees. Sort of expected Tuesday night to happen with Justice Sheffield on the hill. But last night I expected them to win. I expected Yusei Kikuchi to be able to keep this Yankees lineup, which has not been doing particularly well this year, in check. Unfortunately, he, much like Justice Sheffield, found himself staring down a... 3-0 deficit quite early on last night. The stretch and the pitch of the way. Swing and a line shot. Base hit. Hand to left field. Judge the third being waved in. Up with the ball is long. The long throw to the plate on the fly to Murphy. Over the head of Murphy. Backed up by Yusei. Judge will score. Around to third goes Sanchez. In at second goes Vogt. And the Yankees have a 1-0 lead here in the top of the first inning. Surprising amount of booze. That's pretty early on, but I got to get it. I think everyone talked themselves into the idea that, hey, look, this team, with the way that they're playing, at the very least, with Yusei Kikuchi on the hill, should be able to beat New York. And I talked myself into that as well. But here's the reality. Yusei Kikuchi is a stopper for you. Is he one of the best pitchers in baseball? He's one of the better pitchers in baseball. He's one of the best left-handers in baseball. But is he one of the best pitchers? And is he the kind of guy that you look at and you say, yep, we throw him out there and he is going to be able to put down a New York Yankee lineup that has the kind of bats that it has on a regular basis? Because let's be honest, I mean, this guy has looked very good very recently. To be able to do what he did against Toronto last time around, I mean, that's a really good lineup too. That's a better lineup, at least statistically this year, than the New York Yankees. They've got a ton of home runs. Their batting average is up there. They got a real MVP candidate in Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Toronto does. And this Yankees team, they're underachieving thus far. But they're underachieving to a point where even if they are playing like absolute crap, you expect them to at some point turn it around. And maybe they're doing it right now. So I can't get too mad, I guess, about Yusei Kikuchi's struggles. Here's what Scott Service had to say about those struggles after last night's game. Kind of a, a strange game tonight. Um, obviously, we, we got behind the eight ball early. Uh, you know, you say just did not have his, his a stuff, so to speak. I think we saw the you know, the velocity wasn't quite there. What we've seen here in most of his outings, uh, I will give him a ton of credit. He did hang in there, and the ability to get through five innings was critical. Based on we went short with our starter last night, so uh, give him a ton of credit for that. And actually, you know, he gave us a chance. He did calm down afterwards. What bums me out, though, was the way that the game started. And look, it's, it's probably a one-time thing with Kikuchi, given what we have seen for the most part from him this year. And hopefully it's not something that's going to shake his confidence in any way. But he did not seem his usual confident self going up against Aaron Judge in that one at bat. He just didn't feel that way. 
four balls in a row. If you're as good as Yusei Kikuchi, even if you are going up against a right-handed batter and you're a lefty, you got to challenge him. And he didn't feel comfortable, at least in that at-bat, and I felt like that's a bad omen for the rest of the night. And, of course, the Mariners found themselves in a 5 nothing hole very early. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Where are you at on the Mariners' sunshine scale? One texter says five. Another texter, three. This team is a train wreck. That's wrong. This team is not a train wreck. If you think they're a train wreck, I really feel like you are lumping in the sins of the past with the team that's currently out there. This team is playing better than they should, right? I mean, they're not hitting. As one texter points out, 7-10, I'm at a four because we've been out hit by the Yankees 28-8. to Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's an astronomical number to go up against. And to the Mariners' credit, even though they only got three hits last night, two of them thanks to Tom Murphy, including the, th- the, the three-run homer that he had, I mean, they still made it a one-run game. How? I don't know. And you can kind of see why Scott Service afterwards said, like, yeah, we thought we were going to come back in the game. I didn't expect that. But they have been scrappy in this way pretty much all season long. So I think anyone that's going three or below, I feel like you're a little bit too pessimistic. Same place I've been through it all. Three. 710, 710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. A seven, says one texter from the 360. There we go. This team is exciting, and I feel like the Yankees games are not who the Mariners are. They're better than what they've shown. I do think that the Yankees are now showing that they are better than what they have shown thus far this year as well. I mean, the Mariners have been better than what they showed yesterday, but of course it is somewhat consistent with what their offense has been for the for the most part this year. So I do understand that one texter bringing up, you know, at a four, just the, the, the hit level. I'm at about a 4.8. I, I feel like, in fact, that this this series loss to the New York Yankees actually might end up being a good thing for the Mariners because you think about this. You don't want to force yourself into being extra aggressive at the trade deadline when you've got a team that, I mean, is playing better than it should be at this point in time. And that's why I feel like we should still be in a pretty good spot. And look, it's a long baseball season. You're allowed to have a wide range of emotions. You are allowed to have that. I know I do. I know that night to night, game to game, I feel differently about the Mariners, at least emotionally. But for the most part, I feel like they're on the right path. Yeah, development-wise, maybe there's some questions there. But while I'm frustrated with what I've seen the last two nights, I don't feel like this has totally thrown them off. I just think it might be the kind of reality check that maybe ownership needs and that Jerry DePoto probably knew was coming so that at the trade deadline they're not going to do things that are completely crazy, which I would envision, imagine, or excuse me, what I would imagine involves trading guys like, you know, Jared Kelnick or Julio Rodriguez or something like that. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, text line three. Scott Service is too easy on this team. His press conferences are horrendous, and he's too soft. He needs to go. No, you're wrong. You're wrong on that one. Scott Service has done a really good job with this team. Look at all the injuries that they have dealt with and all the lineup changes that he has had to make. Why would you want to be hard on what this team has been thus far this year? You know, if, if they go through a slump, and some people are expecting a slump to come out of here, a texter on the 206, out of contention and below 500, it can happen very fast. Okay, it hasn't happened yet, though. 
I mean, they've been in this weird spot where they've been around 500 for a while. They have had a great stretch of baseball of late against very good teams. So it does stand to reason that they will come back to earth a little bit. But I don't get the Scott Service criticism this year. Yes, there have been some moments where you maybe look at the way that they have handled the bullpen. But think about this. Who really is in the bullpen? I mean, the bullpen is playing way better than it actually is this season. Kendall Graveman, Paul Sewald, who else do you trust? It's not Rafael Montero. You know, it's 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 a it's a unit that has been better, way better than expected because they were rock bottom last year. I get it. There are some game management decisions that I know the real seam heads are going to look at and say, "Oh, come on, what are you doing here?" But I think overall, you want two guys in alignment, and I think you have two guys in alignment in Jerry Depoto and in Scott Service. One thing to keep in mind. And I don't know that this is necessarily ever going to happen. The Mariners do not yet have a transcendent player. The Yankees have at least one. I don't know what Giancarlo Stanton really is. I mean, I know he's a big name. I don't think he's quite on Aaron Judge's level as far as overall skill. I remember when they brought him in, everyone was thinking to themselves, oh my goodness, look at this combination. And we saw, of course, the home run that he hit off of Justice Sheffield. But the Yankees do have at the very least one. Maybe they lost one in Garrett Cole, seeing as, you know, the sticky stuff ain't working so well. Wait, check that. I mean, he's just not pitching as well anymore. You know, I don't want to put those allegations out there. I don't want to put those allegations on anybody, even though it is suspicious that everybody that goes to Houston all of a sudden saw a resurgence, not only at the plate, perhaps due to bang, 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 but also due to perhaps, I don't know, some assistance that they had from their pitching coach. Oh, Paul, you're always defending the Houston Astros. Hmm, I don't know about that. 710-710, that's the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. The question for you, one two ten. On the Mariner Sunshine Scale, where are you at right now? This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. You can watch the Paul Gallant Show or any show on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com slash video. Also, you can listen on your smart speaker. You can listen on the 710 app. It's 1010. That means it's time for What's Trending. Brought to you by King's Eating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon. Maura Dooley, how are you now? Good morning, afternoon. I am great. About to head to San Diego here in a few hours. San Diego. You're going to San Diego. San Diego. Ooh. And we all know what San Diego means. Speaking of Ron Burgundy. It means St. Diego, Ron. It did not mean what you thought it meant. Uh, that doesn't sound right. Good for you. I, I think that's what it is. I don't know. Maybe it isn't St. Diego. I would imagine it is St. Diego. Anywho, uh, good for you. You're going on vacation. Danny's on vacation. and uh, I We're just... abandoning you. I'm sorry. Why didn't I get invited? You got yours in early. <laughs> I know I did. I've, had, I've been on so many vacations already this year. <laughs> so I mean, I'm surprised I still have any days left. Don't tell HR. Don't tell the bosses. Anywho, what's going on? All right. First up, uh, Sean McVay was uh, doing the Flying Coach podcast and had Kyle Shanahan as his guest yesterday. But it's interesting to hear uh, that he is a uh, staunch defender of Pete Carroll's decision to pass the ball in the Super Bowl at the goal line against the Patriots. We're playing to win games instead of afraid to lose it. And that's like, that's a mindset that's true to who you are. It didn't work out. Like, I love how, you know, whether you, you agree or disagree, everybody wants to talk about, you know, when they end up throwing it with it's Seattle versus the Patriots. Well, what mm-hmm. nobody wants to talk about is they go goal line defense. You're going to have an unblocked defender at the point of attack. Could Marshawn Lynch run the guy over? Yeah, maybe so. But also, you know, what's a much more sound. Let's run a two man pick rub versus a zero coverage. And that's a high percentage. And that's a smart design, right? right there 
it just didn't work out in terms of the execution and how it plays out. But I like I love how it's always the revisionist history. But to your point, Kyle, the thought process is sound. I don't want either of those two guys talking about Super Bowl mismanagement. Nope, I don't want it. I don't want it. I also don't want to talk about that play again, but I really do not want to hear these guys in particular talk about it. Now, this came after Kyle Shanahan was talking with McVay about the end of the Atlanta Falcons' blown Super Bowl and how they felt like, well, we were on a roll. We just wanted to keep pressing the pedal. No, they should have, you know, sat down, take the field goal, taken the 10-point lead, 11-point lead it would have been at that point in time. Instead, they didn't. They got a little too aggressive. They got too big for their britches. By the way, Kyle Shanahan sort of did that also in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. They forgot to run the football for a very long stretch in the second half. I don't know why they did that. They were having a lot of success on the ground. I don't want to hear Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay talk about that play. Sorry. And also, you know what? When we had the professor on this morning, and I am in total agreement with him on this, I don't necessarily have an issue with throwing in that spot. I would have been, if I'm New England, terrified of handing the football off to Marshawn Lynch, but they were going to have to throw at some point when they were on the goal line. My issue is, why are you throwing to Ricardo Lockett? Why? Why are you throwing to him? That made no sense to me. You have, at that point... It made no sense to Doug Baldwin either. It, he of talked course. about that in the podcast he did with the, the guys from the uh, Seahawks UK. Our guys across the pond, right, Adam and Stu. <laughs> yeah, uh, those that play should have been to Doug, period. End of story. Or, I don't know, how about... Big play, Jermaine Curse. Luke Wilson said he he would have liked it too, of course. But honestly, I'd give it to Luke Wilson too because at least he's a big body in the in the end zone, (laughs) and that's somebody who can box people out. As opposed to let's throw it to essentially like a marginal wide receiver who's trying to go through a screen against a cornerback who has played against you. Do you know? Like there are criticisms of the play, but by the but I just don't want to hear them from Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. Know your place. Although they both, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan, at the very least, Pete Carroll still has a leg up on him. I don't know that Pete Carroll still has a leg up on Sean McVay, just given the way things have gone between the two when they've gone up against each other the last nine games. McVay's 6-3. Ugh. Gross. All right, next up. Uh, Derek Carr joined the brother from another show, and I'll just let you hear this audio. He does not think Tom Brady... That he was the mf'er that Tom Brady was referring to when he said, you're going to stick with that guy about a team that didn't want his services. There was a lot of speculation that when Tom Brady went on the shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. What he was saying that the mf'er, he was, oh, yeah, he was yeah, thinking oh, it was yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, what did you think of that? that? That people thought it was it was you and the Raiders? From what I know, it wasn't me. Okay, you know? Okay, uh, that's good. It, which is good. And and if it was, like, I've, I've gotten in enough trouble trying to challenge some people to fight. You know uh, but as a man, you know what I'm saying? Like, Tom, like, you right. got, I know you got the rings, but yeah. you know, if it's not me, then we're good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, if it, what I heard, it wasn't me. Um, and so I'm good with that. You can tell he's uncomfortable there. I feel bad for Derek Carr being asked that. I know he's a really sensitive quarterback, but that's a weird question to ask somebody. Like, hey, do you think you're the MFer? You know? I mean, that's a brutal question that you have to answer. It did lead us down a really deep rabbit hole this morning, and, and we're going to get into it in the sports fit with Graz. What quarterbacks do you feel like would actually be able to hold their own in a fist fight? And what quarterbacks do you think would absolutely not be able to? I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo has to be at the bottom of the list. 100%. It's too much of a pretty boy. Yeah. And you know what? Gotta per- save that face. Perhaps, Nick, that is, what would we call this? Luxist? But... Yeah, 
I'm sorry. I look at Jimmy Garoppolo, and I also look at the injury history, and I mean, I, I just don't think it looks very good. Yeah, doesn't look very good for you as far as an actual fist fight or something like that. You could look on the other side too, and be you're, you might be toughest as well. You know, look at these guys. Oh, they're big and strong. They might be good in a fight. Maybe not. That's true. I mean, I do think Cam Newton and Josh Allen are at the top. That is definitely sizest. You know, they could be soft inside. Perhaps. We will never know, unfortunately. This is something I really want to get to the bottom of. I don't know. I mean, I would imagine some of these quarterbacks actually would be curious about it, too. But they probably don't want to get actually hurt. If there's the liability side of things, I don't think any of these NFL teams would want it. Anyway, weird ideas and weird rabbit holes that we go down because my mind wanders all over the place. 206 421 is how you call on. That is What's Trending, everybody. Brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me at Galan Says. Two losses in a row for the Mariners. Frustrating losses. Losses where they have not been able to make a whole lot of contact. Has that shaken your belief? Has that made you feel to a point where all of a sudden, oh, God, the season is going to go down the chute? Or are you like me where you're not happy? You're bummed out. But you're being realistic here. New York's just really good. And they're finally playing the way that they should have been playing all season long. Where are you at? 1 through 10 on the Mariner's Sunshine Scale. It's your chance to be heard. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Mac and Jack's text line 710-710. Seems like they were actually trolling Pete Carroll, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. I don't know that they necessarily were, but sorry. I just do not want to hear those two talking about that play. They don't get to. In fact, no one should talk about that play. That play should be forgotten forever. Sort of like, uh, you know, in the Harry Potter book series that no one says Voldemort's name because he's scary. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. 1 through 10, where you at on the Mariner's Sunshine scale? I'm at a 7, cautiously optimistic, like the young player. Another text, 710-710. I'm a 7, the boys are playing hard. Another texter, seven, I'm at a 6, coming out of the 360. A fun to watch. 500 team six writes another texter i don't expect to make the playoffs but they have enough grit to make you think there's a chance 6.975 writes the 206 they're not supposed to be good they are very entertaining in my opinion and overachieving right that's where i'm at right now i'm not quite in the six territory because you know me i'm a bit overreactionary i get very sad and bummed out when the mariners lose (laughs) as i was yesterday and now i am still today because i thought yusei kikuchi was going to get it done but i'm still in the middle They've had a really good stretch of baseball that they've played of late. And at some point, they were going to lose a series to a good team. I just hope that, they're, that they are able to avoid the sweep. And there's a lot of pressure on Logan Gilbert today. Logan Gilbert, a guy that you look at as part of the future of your team, the definite building block future of your team, this is a big opportunity for him. Is he going to be able, going up against this Yankee lineup, to have success where... Not only Justice Sheffield, who of course has struggled, but Yusei Kikuchi has had issues. 28 hits the last two games. That is a lot. Hopefully that is just an anomaly. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company tax line. Paul, the Mariners lost that game because they couldn't hit for the second straight night. Yeah, that's the main reason they lost. I'll just say that it would have helped had Yusei Kikuchi started off the game the way that we have seen him of late. And it just didn't feel like he was as 100% comfortable as you typically expect to see him. 206-421-3776. 206-421-3776. We did have Robert in Kingsgate. Robert in Kingsgate loves to call in. 
He loves to gloat. You can't gloat. Whoa, my voice cracked. You can gloat over your voice not cracking like mine did right there. You can't gloat back-to-back days. Nope. Sorry. Can't do it. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Where are you at? On the Mariners' sunshine scale. Five, it's par for the course, Paul. We tried to warn you about this, but you wouldn't listen. Oh, I think I've listened. I, 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 have, I have brought up the realism. But you guys want to, like, squeeze the optimism out of me. Look, young baseball teams have growing pains. Young baseball teams can't win every single series against a good team. They've played a bunch of teams that are about the same level. The Rays, the Blue Jays. I think the White Sox, because the White Sox are dealing with an unbelievable amount of injuries right now. And the Yankees, they're all in that area that's between you and the legitimate contenders that we have seen thus far this year. I hesitantly put Oakland in that conversation, but it's it's Boston who is, I don't know how they're playing as well as they are. I think they have the number four pick in baseball's uh, amateur draft coming up. And of course you have the Astros. The Astros are plus 144. And you got a bunch of series left against both Houston and Oakland the rest of the way. Those teams are far, are far ahead of you. The teams that you have played of late and that you have beaten in series, they're also ahead of you. You're in this weird spot where I don't really know how much we can predict of the future of this team, just given that a lot of the players that you are going to be relying on are not up yet, and we're not sure that we're going to see them up before the end of the year. I think I know what I would do or try to do if I'm Jerry DePoto, but of course, you know, the best laid trades that you can do in a video game, often (laughs) those are not things that you can actually pull off in real life, but I think come trade deadline, just given the way that this two-game series has gone, it's the kind of wake-up call that I don't think that Jerry DePoto needed, maybe Mariners' ownership did need, that you're not going to be swinging for the fences at the trade deadline. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. <laughs> text in, Paul, you and Jimmy G in a fight. Who'd win? Garoppolo is a lot bigger than me. I have to be honest there. He would win. I think my lifetime fighting, and my fighting days are well beyond me, but I think I'm like two and four lifetime. One time because I just happened to get in one good shot. So I'm not very good at fighting. Generally, I'm one of those guys who probably tries to bite off more than he can chew and has had in the past a lot of friends around him who (laughs) are big and can protect him. Sort of like offensive linemen. So yeah, I'm not doing so well on that one. If you got a question for the Gras, who's going to join me next in the sports pit, 710-710, is the Dare to Dream Express still rolling, 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 rolling? We'll get the answer to to that next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, if you don't have some freaking toughness... You're going to get your, you're going to fail with Paul And into the sports pit I go with the one and only, the great and powerful Graz, Dave Grosby. Graz, what's going on, buddy? How's the hardest working man in show business doing today? <laughs> I'm, t- I'm pretty tired. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of caffeine consumed. Uh, I, I have there you a, go. I have a five-hour energy, extra strength, ready to go with vitamins and nutrients, uh, <laughs> just in case. All right, uh 
Graz, I don't think the Dare to Dream Express has been derailed by the last two games from the Mariners, but <laughs> it definitely feels like we are getting a big, cold slap of reality, which actually, actually might be a good thing as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Well, it happened in San Diego a couple of weeks back, and, and yeah. uh, it, it, sure, it sure felt like it when that game started last night. Oh. Uh, you know, it looked like we were looking at another another blowout and in fact it wasn't I mean uh, in fact it was 5-4 you know they, they came back and and made a run at them and and did not uh did not yield so maybe there's a positive for that we'll see it's hard to find positives and losses they need to get one today and uh you know late, maintain a little momentum going into this last series before the all-star break do you think that Jerry DePoto Scott Service that they're going to get extended um, I, you know, I was talking about this yesterday when I was filling in for, for Wyman with Bob Stelton, and, right. and I thought, in my opinion, you know, he put me on the spot. I would, I would uh, give Jerry Depoto a new contract, and it's his call on Scott's service, which I assume that he would he would choose to extend him. When we had but him on I this morning, he, he said in. that he would. Yes, he said. I asked him like point yeah. blank, "Hey, do you want to have him? Do you envision uh, Scott's service being here as long as you're here?" And he did say yes to that. Well, it's perfect. He's the he's the guy who should make that call. So if I'm Mariner uh, ownership, uh, you know, you brought in Depoto first and foremost to rebuild the farm system and give yourself a chance to produce good players. By every metric and every uh, every service that looks at it, he's done that. So I'd give him the extension, and uh, as GM, I'd let him pick the manager, which, I, again, I, as he said to you, he'd pick service. So the answer would be you'd continue on with that team, and I don't have a problem with it at this point. Dave Grosby with me in the sports pit. So, as we get close to the trade deadline, I think it is time to perhaps put together a list of guys that you would think are good ideas to trade and see what you can get for them. I don't want to put Mitch Hanniger in that conversation, even though I imagine the Mariners are going to anyway. But the guys that I feel like that you look at and you feel like, hey, maybe you can get something in return for them, definitely Kendall Graveman. Maybe Luis Torrens with the way that he's been hitting of late. I don't know if that's sustainable. And also Jake Fraley. Do you have anybody else that you would perhaps put in that conversation? Ouch. I'd hate to see Jake Fraley go, but I agree with you. I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely shown some value. Uh, you know, I was looking at other teams today and, and the ones that maybe maybe sellers too, and, and everyone, it seems, has got a couple of relievers to sell. So I agree with you on Graveman. I, I, I think if you're, if you're looking at you're talking about getting any kind of talent, you know, measurable talent, um, it's going to be real difficult. And, and Hanniger would be the guy, look, I'd put Kyle Seeger on that list um, just because, of, you know, a really solid fielding third baseman, you know, has some value. But, um, you know, uh, Graveman for sure. You go back to Hanniger and, you know, the, the question is, does Hanniger have the, the kind of appeal that he has to other teams that he has here? I mean, yeah. if you look at him from the outside in, you're seeing a guy who's been injury prone, who, who's been healthy this year. But just this year. Yeah. So I don't know that, you, you know, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that it wouldn't be a shocker to me if they wound up doing very little at the trade deadline. You know, they're going to be bringing in a couple of pretty good bats. I mean, we know that for sure. You know, Kelnick's coming back, uh, and uh, we'll see what Cal Raleigh can do. So those guys are coming back. Uh, hopefully Kyle Lewis is coming back before this year is up, although that, that remains to be seen. So you do got a few guys that you're coming back on, on that side, and, and what you're going to need is pitching and um, – that's going to be tough to get or, or, or to trade, I think, because there's going to be a lot of teams that, are, that have got guys out there. Graz, I had a really fun conversation earlier today, and it had to do with the best football movie out there. And I had the controversial take, I don't find Rudy to be a, a, a football movie because there's not enough football in it. This is inspired by what I saw online, a trailer for a movie starring Dennis Quaid and Zachary 
Uh, Levi, it's about Kurt Warner. It's a biop. It's a biopic right. about him. <laughs> the football does not look very good in the movie, so I'm not exactly excited about that side of things. But what? Let's do a little draft. Let's go uh, three okay. rounds here. First overall, you're on the clock. What's the best football I'm movie ever? I'm on the ever? clock. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Remember the Titans. Okay, you got the good speech in that movie. I'm not a big fan of that movie, Graz, and I shared this with uh, Brock Heward earlier because Hayden Pentieri, who plays Cheryl in that movie, when I was a young uh, high school football player, <laughs> uh, my teammates called me Cheryl because they thought I was so scr- like so loud and opinionated <laughs> that I was a lot like her. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my, my, my first pick is going to be uh, Friday Night Lights with Billy Bob Thornton. The TV show is also great, but the movie itself... The TV show I thought was better, but the movie was good. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton's got a great speech in it. I think the football's good, and every single time I watch it, I get nostalgic about having played high school football way back in the day. So that's my first pick, and we're going to do snake draft, so I'm going to take the next one here. And as I think okay. long and hard about the next football movie that I want to take... Hmm, Oh, it's between the replacements and any given Sunday. I am going to take any given Sunday. I mean, you got Al Pacino, like his speech. You yep. got uh, Willie Beeman, played by Jamie Foxx. You got Jamie Foxx actually mm-hmm. fighting LL Cool J, I guess, in the making of that movie. So that's my number two. Back to you. Uh, my number t- my number two will be the original Longest Yard. That was mm. with Burt Reynolds and uh, Ray Nitschke, the former Packer linebacker, played one of the prison guards in it. The inmates against the guards. Uh, Adam Sandler's remake was a was a poor, pale, pale comparison to the first one, which is a great football movie. I loved that one. And didn't Jaws from James Bond wasn't he in that movie too? He might have been. Richard Keel might have been in it. Um, they had a few other football players in it. It was. Uh, it, it was a great flick, and and uh, I enjoyed the Mean it too. Machine. Uh, Burt Reynolds was was fantastic. All right, uh, you get another movie to uh, wrap up your selection okay. of football movies. Despite what you said, uh, I'm going to take Rudy, which I think is a football movie on a very narrow narrow win over We Are Marshall, which I thought was a very underrated football movie. I haven't seen We Are Marshall. I've heard good things, and I do oh, like Matthew McConaughey. You love it, Paul. I have a list You'd of love movies. It. You'd I, love it. I, I got to watch all of North Dallas 40. I have to watch Brian's song. I have another the great one. Um, I, I have no excuse for not having watched um, Brian's song. I'm going to take the replacements with my last pick. You got Keanu Reeves. You got John Madden in the movie. You got Pat Summerall. You got yep. Gene Hackman. That was fun. I like doing that little draft. We're going to have to do that again, perhaps, with some other movies, especially as we get deep into July and there's a lack of content. Here's my next question for you, You Gross. got it, man. Uh, we we, we yep. had a random conversation, and it had to do with, I guess, Tom Brady. And you remember he made those comments about some certain – MFR quarterback that he thinks right. should not have had the job over him. And Derek Carr was asked about it, and Derek Carr was sort of talking through it. And I feel bad for him being put on the spot like that. But more Julie just sort of got into my mind, hey, what would it be like if those two quarterbacks fought? And I started thinking to myself, <laughs> of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, who do you think could throw hands the best? Who would you say? Hmm. I... I, I, I... Throw hands the best I can think. Uh, you know, immediately a couple guys popped into my head. Okay, I'm thinking of the country quarterbacks. So Josh <laughs> Allen and Carson Wentz, six five, two forty, big guys. Grew up on the plains, and then uh, you know, in kind of in, in speed, I think, and size, you got you got to consider Mahomes. Yeah, who's like six three, about two two thirty, and and Dak Prescott. About the same size as Mahomes, big, big, powerful guys. So I'm going with speed. Excuse me, I'm going with size over speed. You know, some other guys might be quick jabbers and escape artists, but but I'll take the big fellows. I like Dak Prescott as a selection. If 
those those who don't remember, back in Mississippi State, he got jumped by a couple of people, and he, and there, there's video of it, and he actually kind of held his own, even though someone hit him on over the top of the head with a bottle. It was it was a cheap shot. Jeez, uh, Graz, one that I discovered. We got a couple of texts for him, and I was like, wait a second, this guy's not exactly the biggest person. Lamar Jackson, and I watched a yeah. clip of him at uh, at Louisville. So he he gets knocked out of bounds at, I think, the one-yard line, and he gets knocked out of bounds in a somewhat dirty way. So a, a Kentucky player shoves him. He shoves him right back and actually tackles him and got into a scrap with him. I got to say, I can't remember the last time that I've seen a quarterback try to defend himself, <laughs> and he, eventually he decides to get out of the pile because he probably knew at that point, wait a second, I'm going to be a first-round draft pick, and I might be the Heisman winner. I should probably remove myself from the situation so I don't get ejected. But seeing him throw hands, that was pretty cool. Uh, and that's a guy who would have tremendous speed. You would think, just based on the way he plays, it would be a would be a, a great a great you know jab artist. You jab know, artist, pop, right. pop pop pop, get out of the way. Pop pop pop, get out of the way. But I don't know. I'll take the big country boys. Yeah, I think the big country boys are probably the way to go. I, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, those guys, absolute behemoths. Cam Newton too. Yeah. Yeah, big dude, big dude. Some people are saying Russell Wilson, but I feel like with all the sacks that he takes, no. and we made, we made this text. Uh, someone texted this in earlier today, Graz, that. He would be a lot like Rocky in Rocky movies because with all the hits that he takes, he doesn't really block ever. You know, He just takes all the hits over and over again. And one of the funny things about Rocky, the movie franchise, is that Rocky just gets pounded in the face over and over and goes, but he never actually blocks. <laughs> he never does. He blocks with his, blocks with his chin. <laughs> very, very difficult to do that and actually be a successful boxer. So Rocky, the fictional boxer, you can see why he has a statue in Philadelphia. A uh, Wow, just an incredible sports town with all the championships they've had. Look at that. Shots at Philadelphia on the way out the door. Graz, always appreciate you joining me in the sports pit. You have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. Don't work too hard. Don't drink too much coffee. <laughs> no, that is not possible. I can never drink enough coffee. That is the Graz, everybody, <laughs> in the sports pit. All right, guys. One last segment to go right here on the Paul Gallant show. We had some conversations about what the Mariners could potentially do at the trade deadline. Jerry DePoto talked about what the Mariners might be looking at at the trade deadline, how first off the way that the Mariners have been playing is affecting it, and also whether the absence of a contract extension could affect the way that he plans the future of this roster. We'll talk about that plus 1 to 10 on the Mariners' sunshine scale where are you at? 710-710 is how you text into the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, the Paul Gallant Show. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Interesting text because we are interactive. Paul, have you ever been knocked out? Fist, foot, there was one time while playing in a game of pickup basketball, and this was, I guess, the last time I put myself in a situation where a fight could have happened. I stole the ball from somebody who was taller than me, had a breakaway layup, went up for it, got tackled essentially in midair because this person was mad that I stole the ball from him. And I got up, picked up the basketball, and threw it as hard as I could at his face. And I said, watch it, you bleeping psycho. Go out to the three-point line to get the ball checked to me because obviously that was a foul. And I turn around, and I got just clocked in the face. Dropped down to the ground, and the guy ran out of the gym. I don't know what really happened afterwards, and I didn't pursue it any further. But I remember just being staggered, and I was on the ground. And I don't know if I was necessarily knocked out, but I, I remember I could not see basically clearly for like the next eight, 
hours or so. Like I couldn't see out of it, essentially, I think it was my right eye. <laughs> and it wasn't like it was swollen shut or anything like that. It was just my vision was like all over the place. My face, I, my cheek just got gigantic. So anyway, no one cares about that, but uh, we have been talking about squabbing. So figured, share a little personal story with y'all. One to ten, where are you at with the Seattle Mariners right now after two losses in a row to the New York Yankees before they take on the Yankees in the last game of their three-game set this afternoon? Logan Gilbert on the hill. Hopefully he can stop the bleeding. I thought it was going to be Yusei Kikuchi last night. Where are you at? One through ten. We had Jerry Depoto on, general manager of the Seattle Mariners, for the Jerry Depoto show, which you can hear every single Thursday, 8.30, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. And I asked him about the Mariners' interesting situation they find themselves in. They're not sellers because they're playing well, but they're not necessarily buyers. And that's got to be tough for anyone to really make real decisions about what you do in the short term. Not Not so much in the long term, but in the short term this year, just given where you're at. So I asked Jerry, how do you determine if you are a buyer or a seller? You know, it, it's still something that we consider every day. But the, I guess you hit on the one factor, and for teams that are in our situation, you know, close but not in position uh, with the playoff clubs and really reliant on developing a young core of major leaguers, it's critical to give them the playing time. So, you know, there's some of that that, that plays into it. We're going to continue to be aggressive with, with running our young players out there. But as I've said throughout, if there's an opportunity for us to go out there and add to our team without taking away from our future, we're going to do that. And that means guys like Kendall Graveman, guys like I would imagine Luis Torrens, who's uh, designated hitting for the Mariners today. He's been really showing some real pop at the plate of late. And Jake Fraley, those guys who are all playing at a clip much better than one would expect. Those guys, I think, are probably players who you will get a pretty good return on should you decide to be a seller of sorts at the trade deadline. I'm really hoping they don't move on from Mitch Hanniger. We talked about it with the Graz just a moment ago. Hanniger would be viewed differently elsewhere, as Graz brought up. People are going to look at the track record, the injuries, and things like that. We look at him, and we see a guy who this year looked like the Mitch Haniger that we always expected him to be before that awful, oh, God, accident that he had at the plate. He's hitting for power. He's showing real range in the field, making some web gems from time to time, too. I mean, he brings a lot to the table when he's healthy, and he has been healthy to this point this year. Honestly, I, I I don't think you should hold, any other team should hold that injury that he suffered. Oh, God, I don't even want to say the word. I, I hate that word. Hate it, hate it, hate it. It just makes me cringe every single time I say it. But I don't think you should be holding that against him. Jerry DePoto in our conversation also answered my question about his status right now, at least as things currently stand as a lame duck general manager, given that he has not gotten a contract extension and how it might affect his approach at the trade deadline. Does it, appro- does it affect it in any way? Not at all. It, this is, I've said throughout that this is, uh, you know, I am having more fun doing what I'm doing right now than I've ever had in, in my job because I see the progress we're making every day. That the group around us is so energized, and, and I'm not really considering the idea that I won't be back. <laughs> so, I, and I guess there's always that possibility, but 
I, I've I've always thought, you know, take all the distractions away, focus on the job that needs to be done, and then control what you can control. And and that's the way I'm viewing this. And and I believe that that all of those that are involved are doing the same. The only time that I think a lame duck person in sports is someone that you should perhaps move on from is when the team is just awful. But when you're playing like this, I don't think that the general manager or a manager or a coach is going to say, yeah, eh, I'm not sure about the future, so all right, let's uh, let's just make sure I'm cashing that check every single day that I show up. Because it's, it's not only about getting an extension here, say things don't work out necessarily for Jerry, it's about getting an extension somewhere else. One last comment from Jerry. I asked Jerry, do you see yourself paired up with Scott Service as long as you're here? Here's what he said. Yeah, you know, Scott's done a great job here. And it's a, oftentimes, and, and I know this is true of, of, of anyone who holds my job or who holds his, you're always going to be in line for criticism when you make mistakes. And we've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. And and Scott has had highs and lows in his decision-making on the field, just like I've had mine in decision-making on, on the roster. But from the start of, of our time here in Seattle, I think he's done a great job at establishing culture and communicating with players and adhering to what we've set out to do, whether that was you know, the version of the Mariners in his first three years, 16 to 18, when, when night in, night out, we had a lot of veteran talent on the field and trying to manage that. Or right now, trying to grow young players, give them opportunity while still creating a competitive environment. I, I think he's done a fantastic job. And I think they've both done enough to merit an extension, though I do understand. I will make a devil's advocate argument for the suits for the Mariners' ownership. They did extend Jerry DePoto three years with the team 56-32 and 32 back in 2018. The three-year anniversary of that was on Tuesday. And, of course, things did not go so well down the stretch. But they did listen to Jerry about, hey, look, we're going to alter our approach. We're going to take a step back to take steps forward. And because of that and the way that they have stepped through that process, I feel like he has earned that extension. Big thanks to everybody who made the Paul Gallant Show a part of their day. To, of course, the Graz who stopped by. To Nick, making his debut on the boards. And, of course, to Maura Dooley behind the glass. Best wishes on vacation to San Diego. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell.